1: Hello and welcome to this episode of Superhero Ethics. Today we are talking to one of the bravest heroes in the known universe, someone who faces dangers and troubles every day of their professional life. Yes, I'm talking about a middle school teacher. Someone who teaches middle school and uses comic book characters to teach lessons about ethics and justice and math and everything else. Uh, We're talking to Emily Sissel and we'll get right back to that after this commercial break. We have no control over.
0: Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: Welcome back. I'm Matthew, your host. Uh, Joining me today is longtime Panda fan and uh, uh, middle school teacher, Emily Sissel. Emily, I have taught Sunday school to eighth graders and I've been around 12, 13, 14-year-olds. Yeah. How do you teach them every... Do you have like a cape and a shield? I mean, this is superhero work <laughs> you're doing. How do you do it?
0: I do it the way uh, Carol Danvers completes any mission, and that's with dry sarcasm and nice. a winning smirk.
1: That that seems like a very useful po- <laughs> uh, combination, I think, for middle school kids especially. Well, so I'm super excited to have you on here and just to kind of give some people the backstory Um, Emily is part of Stranded Panda Network. She's been uh, uh, commenting on our posts and and liking a lot of the podcasts. And you recently posted a video of you talking about using comic books as part of your education work uh, at a conference you went to. And I just saw that. I, I loved your video. And I thought, this is a great topic because, you know, in this podcast, we talk about like the ethical questions in these stories, but it's also fun to talk about kind of the larger conversations and from what I can tell, it sounds like you're doing kind of something similar, that you're using these stories that your kids already know or or are going to enjoy knowing to teach them. So to talk a little bit about the, kind of how this whole thing started for you.
0: Yeah, so I have been reading comics since I was really, really little. I started with like DC Scooby-Doo comics. Um, nice. And then as I got older, I got into like some Ant-Man and Doctor Strange until I like fully, I think, fledged into a whole comic book. Ber- comic book Mm -hmm. nerd and fan and such uh in high school with uh when carol danvers took on the uh captain marvel shield and going through all of that um and i kind of like when i went into teaching i didn't want to have to fight with my students about things Mm -hmm. um because constantly teachers are having to fight with them about having side conversations about whatever popular culture is going on or even right. like talking like sports or whatever it is. And rather than fighting them on that, why don't we actually use the resources being created to help drive the conversations and using, you know, characters they already look up to, to help drive right. those conversations. I, I mean,
1: that, that makes total sense to me. I kind of wish we'd had that in my own school.
0: Yeah. And it, The thing is, it's just like, especially with middle schoolers, you're constantly, you constantly feel like you're having to fight them over everything. Mm -hmm. Um, And rather than just like fight them, just go with the flow. (laughs)
1: That seems to make a lot more sense. Um, And I know actually that uh, I just completed a, I just read a Stan Lee biography. And I know one of the things he talked about, and we get into 8 million theories about Stan Lee and how much credit (laughs) he takes for things versus Kirby and a whole mess of worms there. But he talked a lot about his belief that, You know, he wanted kids and then teenagers and and adults, but especially like younger people, to enjoy comic books and to maybe like, you know, have it raise some questions for them to think about. And so I love that it seems like what you're doing is very much in line with that. Like they're already reading this stuff and they're going to ask questions about it. So why not use that as part of teaching?
0: Yeah. And that was the whole like point of them even creating. I mean, like they were creating comics for entertainment purposes, but they were drawing all their inspiration from the real life things happening. I mean, just like any author. They draw right. inspiration from real life events or things they're going throughout the time. So when you look at comics and graphic novels being made throughout the ages, they're being impacted by what is happening in society and culture at that time mm-hmm. in history. Um, yeah. So. I mean, I remember
1: some of my favorite uh, comics, like about Peter Parker or some of the X-Men stuff, mm-hmm. were when like, I can't relate to shooting webs out of my finger, my, my <laughs> wrists or to, you know, having all these superpowers, but when, they're having the exact same fights with their parents or like, you know, trying yeah. to get their high school homework done. Like I can relate to that. And it, it creates a bond that, I mean, I love Batman, but I'm no billionaire. There's <laughs> very little, you know, I can relate to there. Although, you know, you know, I mean, there's a whole lot of <laughs> yeah. stuff. Yeah. But, but yeah, I think I, I love that idea. And I love that using that to with the kids. Well, and let's kind of just start with, so for you with comics, uh, you said you started the Scooby-Doo ones, which I will remind people who don't like DC comics, you know, Scooby-Doo is part of it. Do you it like is. <laughs> I'm
0: Do you not like- a big DC fan, but I love the Scooby-Doo comics, so. There you go. There you go.
1: So so what was it like for you as you started getting into more like like, Captain Marvel, uh, Carol Danvers as Captain Marvel really influenced you? It, it, I get the sense that, like, at some point it wasn't just, like, fun stories and cool art, but that you were, like, relating to the questions and some of the epic stuff. And what was that like for you growing up?
0: Yeah, so at the gonna get a little serious y'all uh me going through high school i was in two sexually abusive and emotionally abusive relationships at separate mm-hmm. points in high school as unfortunately most females go through um right. and so carol danvers back when she was ms marvel like way back in the day she actually goes through a point where she gets like sexually harassed and assaulted um and they kind of mm-hmm. like brushed over that fact in their past um and when they came out with all her comics they kind of just like weren't afraid to go at it and so they had her go through all these things and had her go through having to deal with like men trying to bring her down and stuff like that and when i would read those comics it was helping me get through that time in my life um Mm -hmm. And then after her, all of a sudden, Wilson is coming out writing the new Ms. Marvel, Kamala Khan. And I'm getting to relate on that point. And it just kind of like, all of a sudden, I was able to fully relate and immerse myself and finally start seeing like really empowered women in comics for me.
1: Right. And that's such a powerful story. And thank you for sharing that. I can see why that would be, you know, I I hate that you had to go through that, but as you said, like that is not an uncommon experience. And uh, I've not read those myself, but I hope that like, that, a of course to me most important that like people who've been through similar things can relate to that, but also I can imagine others who you know don't know about that or haven't been victimized by that, or often you know if they're male of some kind might be perpetrators without even understanding that like just getting to have more of an experience of that seems so important. I know uh the Captain of Marvel movie is the one I know most, and I remember when it first came out, and there was at first there was a lot of folks primarily masculine of some kind. Saying things like that, they didn't really understand, the char- they didn't think the character had a journey, they didn't understand, like, what were her challenges, what did she go through, and it was only when a number of women were able to point to things like, you know, look look at her interactions, you know, she has a man in her life who's constantly telling her to limit her power, who at the very end, you know, says, like, you have to fight on my terms, and, and she basically says, you know, hell no, I'm not going to do that. No. Like, <laughs> that there, There's so many parts of her story that I think a lot of women related to, and that, I think it was very helpful for for men and masculine folks and like myself to to have to kind of sit with for a bit and go like wait a minute if we if we don't understand the journey this character is taking that that's about our lack of understanding not that the movie's doing a bad job telling the story
0: it, yeah, and that's the, it was Captain Marvel, but now most recently with Black Widow having come out in July, it mm-hmm. was that same kind of journey where, like, I was sitting in the theater with my partner, and he was like, yeah, it was a good movie, and I'm, like, bawling my eyes out next to him. I'm like, no, you don't understand. <laughs> this was everything to me. Yeah. Um. And so just all the representation in comics and the things that people mm-hmm. have been able to go through, like it's so easy to be able to draw from it and to bring it into a classroom setting or even if it's not a classroom setting because I believe we're all educators being able to show it to somebody so they can understand a topic better. Um, I know because I, so the convention you talked about, I was actually at Awesome Con um, and that's where I was presenting was at that Comic Con. Uh, And one of the people that came up to me afterwards was actually a guy who trains paramedics and he was like, I want to be able to, you know, teach my students a little bit better about, you know, mental health and different mental right. illnesses. And I was like, oh, have you read Moon Knight? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so we were able to get into a great conversation about other comics that you can draw from that just to teach people about different things.
1: Yeah, I think that's so important. I want to hear more in a second about the how that affects the students, because I know for me, in previous episodes, I've talked about... Um, how for me as a queer and a gender queer person, how important that kind of representation is, and also as a disabled person. And I think, you know, we had a lot of that uh after WandaVision, after Falcon and the Winter Soldier, people, you know, talking about how important it was to see themselves on screen and, and then earlier to see themselves on the pages of the comic book and why that why it both matters so much and why it can be also kind of really hurtful when it's done badly.
0: Yeah. Uh there were there's so many great discussions to be had in that for sure. Um so
1: so what made you then um so you kind of how have, have this influence your own life? Like when you thought about teaching, were you always kind of wanting to like take the comic book into the classroom? Where did where did that idea start for you?
0: Uh it did I did start having the idea of it because I was like, well, people like English classrooms, they'll use like graphic novels and stuff like that. And so I got really curious and I was like, There's gotta be a way that every teacher can use something. Yeah. Um And so I ended up, like, starting literally just Googling comics in the classroom, (laughs) using comics in the classroom and stuff like that, Uh, and a great website, uh, historycomics.net, I believe, and then the Mm -hmm. Facebook group that um, Tim Smith had created, uh, he is also a history teacher, a high school history teacher, and it was, like, um, it's teaching with comics, I believe it is. And so I ended up just, like, requesting to join, and, like, all of a sudden there was, like... A hundred other educators just like me who are like, "What comics can we use? How can we utilize them?" And then we just started drawing influence, and it really got me critically thinking more while reading comics. Even mm. where like I would go back and reread comics, and I'd be like, "Oh, I could use this to teach this." Like I just had the thought nice. like a couple weeks ago that I could use Poison Ivy and her story, and like parts from the you know the animated show um, to teach about eco terrorism. Right. like just you start I, like getting those little blips and stuff.
1: I, I'm guessing you mean Batman the Animated Series because I love the Harley Quinn show. I'm trying to think if there was a single thirty second clip you could show to middle school students without some I, offensive <laughs> term or something like that. I don't think there is, is there?
0: I haven't tried yet. <laughs> um
1: Yeah. Animated series seems the safer choice. Yeah,
0: God. I love the Harley Quinn show, unfortunately. A little vulgar.
1: <laughs> yep. That's fair. That yeah, as we we were talking about this before off air, you know that uh, MCU stuff like can work. You know, Netflix Daredevil, Punisher, Jessica Jones, maybe not so much with no. the, the kids. <laughs> so, and, and just to help us understand better, um, since you're middle school, am I right that you're not like a history teacher or an English teacher? You're you're kind of a generalist with these kids.
0: No, no, no. no. For middle school, you you specify. I'm a social studies teacher, so I oh, teach. Okay. awesome. I teach seventh grade civics and economics, and eighth grade world cultures.
1: Okay, shows you how long it's been since I've been out of school. And how I am about it. Uh, so so talk. Okay, so once you decide to go into it, so when you say you use comics in the classroom, what what does that actually mean? What does that look like?
0: Yeah. So sometimes it's literally just putting an image on a board. One of my favorites. Um, they come came out with this some years ago of Superman holding iron chains. Uh, not even in costume, just a Superman shirt, and he's protecting a group of protesters in the back um oh, from nice. like cops and i this came out like in the midst of the heat of a lot of different big protests happening mm-hmm. um and so especially like with my civics class when we get talking about the first amendment i love just slapping that image on the board and being like let's talk about it what's happening what do you see what right. colors are being used what what do you think is happening how does this relate to our first amendment freedoms mm-hmm. uh Sometimes it's me showing a clip um, along with actually reading parts of a comic series, which is what I do with uh, Civil War. So I show them the clips uh, when they're introducing the Accords and the part of the Accords and reading some Mm -hmm. of the Civil War comic. And that gets us talking about government regulation, uh, big business versus small business, federal government versus local government, those conversations. Uh, And sometimes it's full-on reading an entire comic series, which is what I do with the Vote Loki series, um, and what I'm going to do this year with Ms. Marvel's uh, No Normal, that first issue by Wilson. Um, (laughs) Vote Loki I used to teach elections and political parties. That's probably one of my massive, massive things that we do when we read that comic. And then I'm using Ms. Marvel for world religion for
1: teaching. Oh, I really love that. Yeah, because I know that her story is so – uh, her her own religion being a part of who she is and how how she formulates that character is such a such a central thing and
0: how she works as that character I mean that that re- her religion impacts everything about her being a superhero mm-hmm. how she interacts with the villains how she interacts with her family uh, and for me personally I actually have a lot of students from Pakistan and Afghanistan that have mm-hmm. immigrated here in the past like six months to a year so a lot of Pashto and Urdu speakers and. In the comic itself, it'll actually have some stuff like in Urdu. And I'm excited to see their reactions to seeing something in their language in a comic book.
1: Yeah, I feel like that was such... Because I, I do think there's often the perception, and with some reality, that geeky stuff, for lack of a better term, is white, you know? yeah. And I think, like, I know when I was growing up that um we had a black friend who was, you know, part of our kind of like, you know, uh, Dungeons and Dragons groups and stuff like yeah. that. And there was a lot of kinda of like subtle racism from from a lot of us, myself unfortunately included. But also I you know he used to get teased by, you know, um other students of color about like why are you doing white stuff like D D and things like yeah. that? And that obviously there have always been uh both creators and consumers of this stuff of all races and backgrounds, but just geek community has been presented as very white in really problematic ways and I think there's been an explosion of people saying like, yeah, it's not just all boys, it's not just all straight people, it's not just all white people. Yeah. And I love that you're able to use like that, especially to help people see not only themselves but see their own language, to see their own experience on the page.
0: It is. It's. I'm really excited for when we get to that. It'll be a little while, and it'll be my first time doing that. Um, a lot of the times, as like new content comes out, I'm like constantly coming up with ideas, and just like I'll go in the front of my classroom, like, all right, guys. This is probably going to suck. I have no idea if this is even going to work and function, <laughs> but we're going to try it out. And um, I did that with They Called Us Enemy by uh, George Takei. I like threw out pages of that and I was like, all right, we're going to see if reading about this helps us understand this topic in history and understand the 14th Amendment. It might not work. No idea. It ended up like being amazing. And like my That's students were profoundly impacted and most of them never even heard, having heard of that moment in history with the Japanese internment camps.
1: Right. Yeah, I um I, I you may have heard me talk about this before. I'm very much a filthy casual. I know it's <laughs> on the screen in the comics even in this regard and then but I I saw the the movie he made about life life in those camps. Yeah. Um and uh it was incredibly moving and and I think you're right. To me, I think it's one of the things that I like most about this stuff is that I feel Especially for adults, and so I'm curious how it works for kids. There are top, like to give an example, I found there's a lot of white folks I know who, if I sat down with them and said, "Hey, can I have a conversation with you about white privilege?", they they'd probably just walk away immediately. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, but then when I watch, then when they watched Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and you know Bucky talks about how even someone as wonderful as Steve Rogers could have been a little bit blind to like what Sam Wilson would go through because of, you know, Steve and Bucky's own privilege. Like I had a lot of fans writing in and saying, you know, I understand the privilege idea now because of this. Like I I am open to learning more because the lesson was in that kind of a medium that I, I might've tuned out otherwise. I'm guessing you find the same th- kind of thing with kids that like, if you just say we're going to read the Federalist Papers or whatever, they might tune out. But if you say we're going to talk about, you know, Spider-Man and Daredevil, Trying to challenge the Sokovia Accords using free speech, then they then they tune in a lot more.
0: Well, yeah, because it's something that they can understand and grasp. When you talk about something like the Federalist Papers, I mean that is big, complicated language. There's so many of them, I can't even really understand them. Trying to sit through and read them uh, mm-hmm. because language has changed so vastly since they had been written. But right. I can sit down and I can read a comic book and I understand Spider Man and I understand uh, how Uncle Ben profoundly impacted him in life and yada 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 um, because it's geared towards what's more current, what is more popular culture. Right at the time when certain things have been like, if we're especially talking about you know using primary sources and old documents, right? They were written at a time that that was the language being used. Right. Shakespeare was written at a time when that was sort of the language being used. Same thing with um, the Odyssey, the Iliad, whereas now that's not the language being used. Um, mm-hmm. So it, it would want, it confuses everybody. It confuses me, but it would also confuse SPED students, right? So we're leaving them out of.
1: Uh, just for those who don't know. So what, can you spell out what SPED is?
0: Yeah, it's special education students. Mm-hmm. And then it also leaves out L students, which are English language learners, uh, who would be, you know, left out of content and never getting to understand it or grasp it. And then when you take something like a comic book where it's, you know, something that they can easily grasp because they know the characters, but also it has lots of pictures and imagery. Right. Along with smaller, briefer text. where it makes it easier to grasp and understand and you can have bigger conversations than me just trying to sit through Huck Finn and understand what in the world they're trying to say.
1: Right. Yeah, I think that makes so much sense. The idea of using the language of today. um, For that reason, I mean, I... I have read some uh, comic books from the 50s and 60s that are not using the language of today. Are, are you mostly using <laughs> fa- fairly modern comic books then, or do you have like old issues of Spidey from the 70s that you go into or things like that?
0: I'm mostly using modern ones. Um, I, if I was a U.S. history teacher, I think I would use older some older ones because they hit on a lot of U.S. history topics, right. um, but I don't teach U.S. history, so it's not as applicable to me. I have... Uh, given a lot of those resources to my, you know, other ki- colleagues who use that. Mm. Um, but like, for me, the topics that we hit on are mostly in more modern day comics that have been written. I can see that.
1: I-, I can easily imagine, you know, for a history teacher, if you wanted to teach about the 50s and McCarthyism and like the the degree of like, just think about the children's censorship just diving into the the comics code authority, you know, and all that kind of stuff about the censorship of comics oh, and yeah. self-censorship could be a great lesson for that.
0: Yeah, you can get into so much with that. And it's, it's great use for uh, – because these are all primary sources. Those, these were written yeah. in the day. This could be considered a pri- – I know, a comic book, a primary source. Mind-boggling. <laughs> but it is. And <laughs> yeah, for sure. It's super cool that you would be able to use that. Um, it's just not quite topics that I've taught yet, but I know people who have used right. them.
1: I mean, I love that you, know, where you brought up things like, you know, Shakespeare, or the Iliad, because I think today we think of that as very sort of highfalutin back in the day and forget that that, you know, those things, Sophocles and Euripides were the pop culture of the day. You know, they, they were the comic books of the day.
0: They sat around a campfire and told the story over and over again. That was the birth of the Iliad and the Odyssey. And it's the same with the philosophical tellings of Socrates and Plato. Like, they literally like just sat around and talked about it <laughs> the right. way we just sit around and talk about comics.
1: Yeah. And debate and argue yep. and all that kind of good stuff. Um, So what kind of response do you get from like the school administrators, from te- from parents? To, do you have any kind of pushback or is this something people are just like, oh, thank God my kid is reading. This is great.
0: <laughs> I am very lucky in that I teach in a very liberal school district. So I teach mm-hmm. at Fre- in Fredericksburg City Public Schools um, for Walker Grant Middle School. Shout out to all those people if you ever listen to this. <laughs> um, and they're very liberal. Like when BLM protests and stuff like that started happening, our school board kind of walked out and they were like, Black Lives Matter. And they were like, and done and done. So they, they're they incredibly liberal. So when I come up to them and I'm like, I have this great idea. They're like, you know what, Emily, just go for it. And I'm like, perfect, because <laughs> I wasn't sure if you were actually going to be totally sold on the fact that I'm going to use Loki to teach about political parties. But all right. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I love that. And it, so they've kind of just given me like a lot of free reign to be able to do this, but I have had to fight for uh, getting just money to be able to buy like class sets of books and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And so I, that. I gave what I did was I put together my lesson plans um, and I took the research because there's plenty of you know journals and research done on the mm-hmm. use of comic books and how how it helps literacy and such and i kind of like compiled that together and i was like here you go please spend money on me um yeah. <laughs> and luckily they did the first time i'm hoping we hear back about the second time getting some more class sets of things uh uh-huh. uh so it's a it can definitely be a fight and the thing is like if you're an educator you're really used to fighting yeah. everybody for your students for funding for getting a pay raise for everything And it's just like anything in life, if you put together, you know, just like T'Challa and the What If episode, spoiler if you haven't seen it, you know, a good conversation (laughs) can solve most things. Uh, And so putting together those resources and being like, hey, you weren't willing to go out and do the research, but right here I put it, I laid it all out for you. This is why I want to do this. Just give me a chance. If it fails, it fails and that's okay because it happens. Like half the year is a failure for the most part with things that you try. Um, mm-hmm. And when it comes to parents, um, again, it's just kind of towing that fine line of uh, not insulting them and being like, your kid is finally right. reading, please just let them read a comic book. And yeah, g- again, giving them that same research and just talking to them and hearing them out. Um, mm-hmm. I haven't had too much in terms of parents being like, why is my child reading a comic? Uh, usually, I can just go. I'm a teacher. It's for education, and they are like, "Cool," <laughs> <laughs> and then <I'll> walk away.
1: <laughs> That's better. I know you said you're often in contact with other people doing this, and other all around the country or even around the world. Have you heard from other colleagues in, in not so liberal areas who have had a lot more pushback? Or does this? It, it, it's sort of kind of a question of like, you know, how much market penetration we now have? Like, it's pretty much most of the most people are kind of on board now with that. This is a legitimate
0: form of, of literature, or. Th- Have you heard from others who get a lot more pushback? I think it's a legitimate form of literature now for people. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think what we can really thank for that are things like Classics Illustrated that made like classics like Romeo and Juliet and such into oh, graphic
1: those, yeah
0: into graphic novels. And I think we can thank those and those graphic novels for making that happen for maz and Persef- all of those. Um, because if it wouldn't, if it hadn't been for them and English teachers being able to use them, especially with those SPED and L students, uh, we never would have been able to keep expanding and be like, hey, look at all these other resources. The single issue of Spider-Man teaches this topic.
1: Yeah. I remember I was in high school when Mouse came out. Uh, for those who don't know, it was this incredibly powerful graphic novel, um that was about the holocaust it was about people in concentration camps but it was the the main characters were mice and the nazis were presented as cats if i i, I'm, I haven't seen yeah. that in 30 years but that's my memory of it um and i remember i i was able to take this course but someone taught a history of the holocaust using that as one of the main primary texts and i was just mm-hmm. so not i guess it's not technically a primary text in that regard but um i was just so blown away by that like the, the very thought of that blew my mind and so i I love that that has kind of helped lead to this much larger use of the medium
0: mouse was groundbreaking, like absolutely yeah. groundbreaking for using graphic novels in the classroom, specifically in a social studies and history classroom. Um, so like between that and star Wars using Darth Vader and stuff like that to talk about mm-hmm. like the Nazis, there's a great comparison of like Darth Vader speech that you can put side by side with uh Hitler speech that like matches yeah. up way too closely for comfort. Um, And, like, between between those two, that, like, blew up the world of graphic novels and comics in education.
1: Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, that sounds like such a powerful thing, and I'm, I'm so glad you're getting that. And in terms of the kids, I mean, are you finding that just everyone who's in seventh grade has seen some Marvel movie or has some familiarity? Do you have some students who this is not their thing at all, and either they're confused or maybe they're not as interested or is it just pretty? Uni- is this kind of the universal thing for kids these days?
0: Yeah, it's so. It's the key word here is differentiation, um, mm. because you are always going to have some students who are not on board for it, right? Not every student is a sports person. Not every student's an anime, a manga. Not every student is a comics and Marvel. Right. Uh, and so there are going to be some students that are like, yeah, this is not my thing, but I'm going to read it and I'm going to get the information I need from it. And I've actually gotten some people that after they have read Vote Loki and we've dissected and gone through all this and they created their project at the end, they're like, Mm -hmm. I think I actually kind of like Marvel a lot more. Um, Like they never truly gave it a shot. And then – so the key with it is like you can't just only do one thing. Right. You have to make a variety of things. Um, It's the same way like when you're teaching, you have to make sure some things are for the auditory learners, the visual learners, the kinetic – like you have to make everything Mm – Because it's the best way for people to fully grasp a concept.
1: And I love hearing that. Because I'll say, like, I joke about being a dirty dirty casual and all that kind of thing. But in large part, it's because I'm not a visual learner in the slightest. And I have... um, I've gotten through some comic books and been able to enjoy them. But I'm not a person who looks... Like, I went to Paris and saw the Mona Lisa and didn't get it. Like, I just... I Most visual things, I don't understand what people see in it. And so... Most of the time, when I read comic books, I need someone to actually tell me like what is happening in the art. You know, do you get? I'm guessing that you do have you had had some students who are much more into the visual side, and some students who are much more about the words and the the artistry that like, kind of leaves them cold or they have trouble reading and. Are you kind of adjusting to all those different kind of learning styles?
0: Yeah. I mean, and you're going to – what's cool about this is that as you're reading it, I mean, one of the best things you can do, if you're not reading it as a whole class and doing things called reader's theater, that's where each kid Uh gets a character to read their lines, you should put them in small groups um, because people are going to get different things out of it and a discussion needs to be had while you're reading it. Like as annoying as it was in middle school and high school having your teacher, now let's discuss this chapter now that we've read it. It's important because it helps you actually fully grasp everything that was happening. I mean, there are times that a kid points something out and I'm like, I never even noticed that. Yeah. That's a great point. Or I, like, my interpretation is totally off from their interpretation. And I encourage my students to call me out on things. If, if like, I'm totally right. wrong about something and I've, like, misspoken, they call me out on it all the time. And we're like, all right, let's research it. Let's find out. And then I'll admit, yeah, Miss Sissel's wrong. <laughs> I love that because...
1: I think to me, that's one of the most important parts of the whole representation question, is that, and not just that, you know, your, your background or whatever kind of thing it is, your sexuality, your race, your gender, there's so much more that will affect your, how you read things, but mm-hmm. those things certainly are very true. And I think it always does me so much benefit to hear how do voices other than my own see this? You know, like we're talking with Captain Marvel, like people relating to it that that others might totally miss or um, like, I know for me, There's a lot of times where a disabled person, I am very critical of disabled characters in media that, you know, my able-bodied friends think are great representation because, like, I see things that they don't, you know?
0: Yeah, Um, definitely. And so it just
1: sounds like, yeah, having the students be able to not just hear it from you, but be able to talk to each other from all their different backgrounds. It just seems like it's such a great learning opportunity.
0: Definitely. Like, when talking about, like, when we get to, like, West African and East African culture and stuff like that, mm-hmm. I like to throw up some stuff from, like, Wakanda because they use actual, like, na- Native African tribe languages and the clothing, the food, all of that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, like, every time I see it, there's always an African-American student in my classroom. Some of them are just actually African. I have several students, like, from Ghana and Ethiopia and stuff, and they, oh, wow. like point stuff up or even my partner he's half black half white he'll point stuff out that like i never noticed and i would never notice because i am white um right and so just being able to have those discussions and making sure that you are keeping a controlled you know safe setting where we can have those discussions with each other and know what like how those discussions are supposed to look like um well, And so that
1: that would be another question of mine. Um, and I'm afraid that what you're about to tell me is that 13-year-olds are more mature than a lot of people online. But we'll, we'll ask the question. Um, you know, in most fan communities, and, and even like in our Stranded Panda community, we're a lot better about this than others. But even there, we've had some problems. Superheroes and Star Wars and things like that. Tend to generate fairly strong opinions.
0: Yes, and
1: <laughs> those discussions can get fairly toxic fairly fast, especially when it's about like, oh, you don't see this because you're of your gender, or you're, you know, or, or or just like you know, like I, I, you know, the the kind of idiots who don't like Captain Marvel because they, you know, she doesn't have like the curves they want, and a more yeah. character, whatever it is, you know. And again, my assumption is that twelve and thirteen year olds. Are not the height of emotional balance and maturity. So, it, do you get that same kind of some of those like hard discussions or toxic dynamics coming up? And can they be teaching moments, or or are actually your middle school kids more mature than people
0: discussing these things online? How, how does that play out? We like to call middle schoolers sociopaths because they have actions without understanding emotions. Um. Okay, that that, seems, <laughs> that, that tracks. <laughs> um, that's like the running joke among middle school teachers. Uh, But I would say they're probably about the same level as many people um, Mm -hmm. because a lot of people never got taught proper communication and proper communication skills. So currently people and the current middle schoolers are pretty similar. Uh, Mm -hmm. The way that I have gone about this and I've found to be fairly effective is we do in-class debate warm-ups. It's not every day, uh, probably like two to three times a week. Um, They'll come in and they'll see something like – Currently, the one on my board is Pennywise versus Joker. You go to whichever side of the room that you stand on. um, And sometimes I'll just pose like an actual question. You know, the verses. it could be a lot of different things you can think of. Are we thinking like, you know, personality, who would win in a fight?
1: Uh, Team Tony versus Team Cap kind of things. Yeah,
0: that was like day one. I had that one up on the board, I think. But I put them on – they go on either side of the room. They pick one person to represent them. It's a different person every time. And they have three minutes to help that person come up with a 45-second argument about why they are better or why they would win or why their opinion is over the other. Oh, I love that. Everybody sits down. I have debate stands that say AF and NEG, which are affirmative and Mm -hmm. negative for yes or no. Uh, And they – stand behind them they have their 45 seconds we all do great applause for them and we preface it every single time before we vote as a whole as a class that it's the person who gave the best argument not your opinion um mm. and then we vote as a class yay or nay for whoever um and then there are if and, no if ands or buts about it we voted and that's how it works
1: <laughs> i i love that because i think to me that kind of discourse is fantastic and what i see online a lot i certainly probably participated in it too much (laughs) to uh, to be proud of is the like you know no star wars is better it just is you're dumb if you think like that kind of nonsense yeah teaching the kids that it's not enough just to have a strong opinion but that they have to be able to defend i mean not that they have you know what i mean like yeah but, but that that the ability to explain Explain an argument in a cogent way.
0: It is that's not
1: just invective. Is that seems so powerful.
0: And then it's respecting the fact that we all have a right to our own opinions, um, mm. which is like one of the main civic responsibilities about being a citizen of the United States. Is that we all respect that we all have a say in things. Right. Um, and so I do it with really light-hearted, silly things. I'll do like mm-hmm. waffles versus pancakes, all kinds of stuff, um, until we start getting more into the nitty-gritty. So we're going to keep doing more lighthearted, silly things probably through September mm-hmm. um, because after sept- like towards the end of September, we get into elections and political parties, which is where it really starts to cause discourse um, oh, with sure. things. Uh, and so we do these lighthearted ways to learn rules of debate, how we interact with each other. That way, when we get to serious topics, we can truly research them and think about them.
1: I love that because it seems like you're probably – not only you're teaching them the skills, but you're teaching them to become comfortable disagreeing with each other where I feel like you're probably building up levels of mutual respect among the kids. It is, you know, yeah. So that now when they're disagreeing about harder topics, you, you establish some degree of like I respect you even if I disagree with you.
0: There's also like you, you – it actually forms a better bond among students that might not have things normally in common. They're like, oh, you're a Superman fan? I'm also a Superman fan. You see my loser friend over there that's a Batman fan? I can't believe he went to that side of the room. Um, And then they also have to learn how to put together, you know, an eloquent argument. And then they also have to publicly speak it in front of the whole class. And I've just seen Mm -hmm. so many students that, like, when they get a topic that they're really passionate about, all of a sudden, the one kid you don't think is ever going to volunteer is like, I'm speaking. That's
1: fantastic. That's fantastic. And... So, and on that level, uh, you know, in terms of how the kids respond, again, I think I think the stereotype has been very much broken down, but still holds a lot, that comic books are for boys. Um, yeah. Do you see, is it is it, uh, in terms of who is and who isn't interested, is it pretty even across, gen- you know, not just those two genders, the many different kind of gender identities kids might have? Yeah. Are, are there other kind of demographic groups where you see that, like... It is kind of splitting or is it just really cutting across everybody?
0: I got to tell you, I have a lot of females that are so into Marvel and comics and like, that's fantastic. I love geeking out with them so hard about all of this. Um, Just as a female who grew up, you know, being the total band geek and nerd that like still can struggle to make friends, like real Mm -hmm. genuine friends in life. um, It's so cool to see so many females into that. Um, and overall, we we got into this um, actually at Awesome Con on a really great panel about how the things that kids get bullied for and stuff like that are not the things that were happening in the past. So, yeah. like, liking Naruto and liking, you know, video games and comics and all of these things, that's not what somebody gets bullied for anymore. That is, like, a talking right. point that everybody loves – really what it is is much deeper and more rooted and where it's more unfortunately of being race ethnicity religion all the more deeper things but like the general pop culture stuff really isn't something that people bully or argue over instead it's like this point that everybody loves and gets so excited and passionate about yeah and that
1: i mean as someone who went to school in the 80s where um, being into Dungeons and Dragons and Batman was not the uh, key to social success, uh, that, that is pretty good <laughs> for me to hear. You know, the hardest the in from leverage, Age of the Geek Baby. It's, it's, you know, it's just nope. great to see that the, those kind of changes are happening.
0: We have an RPG club that we play D&D all the time. I run the comic book club and we get people from all across the board into the stuff and Um, even if they're not super into it and they're like part of the clubs they like casually wear shirts about it or will be a casual fan about stuff
1: that's fantastic and so in the same way like i think the other thing that can happen a lot is the oh how dare you talk about you know captain america when you haven't read these 30 you know you don't know all the details of this do you get that kind of like gatekeeping thing among kids you have to kind of rein in or is everyone kind of starting from the same page
0: uh, a lot of them are starting from the same page. Um, I actually find that a lot – again, so kids, every generation is more liberal um, than the last. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And by liberal, I mean not as, like, rooted in their ways where they're, like, grow, like, they expand socially. Right. Um Sorry, I feel like I might get hate on the word liberal there, uh, but right, but like each generation is more le- liberal than the last. So like, for me, sometimes like I'll go to like a comic book shop or something like that. Like if they've never seen me before, and I'll get like these mm-hmm. looks from like these white middle aged dudes. Like she doesn't know what she's talking about or reading, right. and I'm just like I've actually like read comics my whole life, and I spend most of my money i feel like on <laughs> marvel yeah. everything um whereas with the kids it's like oh cool you're super into that let's talk about it oh you haven't read the comics that's cool let's talk about the movie then that's awesome like
1: <laughs> yeah especially because I, I do think for many people the the movies and tv shows can be a lot more accessible so it's awesome that that at least they are, yeah. the gateway um and I, I imagine that that this might be more like english english class kind of stuff but just the discussion of how a character is represented in the comics versus on screen. I think there's, there'd be so much richness there to talk about in terms of character development and stuff like that.
0: And there is, but there's like, I mean, you can talk about that in any class because one of the key things that every educator needs to know is that we are all reading teachers. We are all English Mm -hmm. teachers it does not matter what subject you're in. That includes math because even math has to solve word problems to be able to, you know, decipher those sentences. Right. We all have a responsibility to enhance that part of their education.
1: I love that. So do you have people bringing – since I know like one of the best ways that people love to interact with a lot of this content and make it their own often is through things like fan art or uh, fan fiction or, or things like that. Um, obviously, again, staying in the PG-13, you know, appropriate for middle school <laughs> age side of things, which no a lot of those things are not. <laughs> but, like, have you had students either in your classes or in, like, colleagues of yours who are English teachers or art teachers who, who are using things like fan art or fan fiction or things like that as ways to kind of interact with these materials as part of the school process
0: not as much fan fiction which but i wish they would utilize that more um Mm -hmm. with some students just because a big emphasis on eighth grade curriculum is creative writing um which is what fan fiction is it's just taking a character and coming up with your own total storyline and going along with it um that's like the whole beginning premise of the avengers game with kamala khan is she wins a fan fiction writing contest um but the the art teachers i've actually got them very interested in like looking at art through the ages um because mm-hmm. the art styles have changed and they've mimicked what the current art style might be like pop art was really big at one point and if you look at the comics you start seeing more of the pop art style right um so they they've gotten into that and using the artwork to analyze uh political cartoons So just analyzing any fan art or anything, putting it on the board gets them used to being able to look at it and find the deeper meaning.
1: Oh, I love that. Yeah, it seems like that's such a great way to kind of not only encourage them to create, but also to kind of, you know, critical art skills. You can use them to like look at like Renaissance paintings versus, you know, impressionist. But yeah, also look at like 1960s drawings of the Fantastic Four versus today, you know, or whatever it is. Exactly. Now, it, it does also sound like I, I know that you're open to all things, but my sense from what you're talking about is that you're pretty much a Marvel person. Um, did, I, Do we have uh, a little bit of DC hate in your classrooms, or is my boy Pat Batman and Dick Grayson and all those just as much a part of the curriculum?
0: Nah, they're pretty, they're pretty big into Marvel just like I am. Um uh-huh. <laughs> Again, I'm trying to bring more DC stuff into that just isn't something that I grew up reading as much. DC yes, came sir. out like with like flash facts, which is super great for science classes. Um, mm. I also, I, I don't, we don't, read, like, a full issue, but I pull up, like, images, like, from Superman and Batman and stuff like that. Um, right. Especially when we talk about, you know, protests, free speech, all kinds of stuff like that. Um, but the the full issues that we've read are the Marvel ones. Uh, the biggest idea I've had is uh, really looking to and doing a character analysis of Poison Ivy when we talk about environmental terrorism. I, I love that, yeah. I'm so excited to... I haven't had time because I'm a teacher, so I have no life. Um, but de- <laughs> dive into that later. Um, I also personally use a lot of Avatar: The Last Airbender when we get to. Oh, uh so good as well, yeah. Yeah, when we get to East Asia, because they kind of represent the different cultures, and mm-hmm. uh, it's just so cool. <laughs> yeah, that makes total sense. I know. Um, because it's being an ethics podcast,
1: uh, we talk a lot about villains, and yeah, for me, one of the most interesting things to talk about is. You know, I'll often kind of write off the mustache twirlers, you know, who just want, like, power, ha ha ha, but someone like Poison Ivy, someone like Mr. Freeze, someone who, like, um, you know, even Thanos, you could see, you know, people oh, yeah. who feel like they are trying to make the world a better place, and they have a way they want to do it. But things like getting the consent of the people they're trying to help, maybe not so high on their list, you know, like I think it's such a great way of discussing everything from like you know organizing and social justice work to you know what villainy can look like and how you know it's very easy to sort of just see our bad guys as like mustache twirling you it's- know waha type things, but that There's actually a lot more complexity, General.
0: It's really easy to write off people who have a different opinion from yours and a different way of going about things. And even though, you know, Poison Ivy does not go about it the right way all the time, um, her genuine concern of the things is something that should spark a, oh, something is wrong. We should do something about this. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's a fascinating study if you're looking specifically at um, Western civilization and how it's moved and impacted because we do the same thing (laughs) where we don't always and by always I mean most of the time go about things the correct way. Right.
1: Yeah, I mean I think there's like I've always been the sort who's like, is Magneto really a villain? Was Killmonger that wrong? You know? Like they might have had some good
0: points. No, they that's the whole issue that's the whole thing with Killmonger, and the whole point of the movie was that he wasn't wrong (laughs) like and T'Challa says he's like he was not wrong but we need to go about it the way Nakia is saying we need to go about it um and it's the same way I mean Loki is my favorite anti-hero of all time for so many I mean I grew up reading a lot of Norse myths um Mm -hmm. in books and stuff like that And then when I discovered it was a comic book character, I lost everything. Uh, And then (laughs) when Hiddleston got casted, I lost everything again because I'd seen him in Shakespeare stuff in high school um, and like before that. And so he was already my favorite actor at the time. And I was like, no way.
1: Oh, that's so perfect.
0: Um, (laughs) And so seeing like looking at characters like that and looking at characters like Thanos, the movies don't give Thanos nearly enough you know, credit and character development. It feels like Mm -hmm. he's just put in spurts and then they kind of make him seem like a mustache twirler when, like, I mean, he... Comic book-wise, he has so many storylines, especially in Eternals comics.
1: Oh, yeah. There's a podcast that I'm going to be part of um, uh, starting in October called The Marvel Movie Minute. It's not a panda podcast, but it's related. We're going to get some pandas on as guests.
0: I think I've seen it on Twitter.
1: Yeah, you probably have. It goes into, like very deep like there's an episode about each minute of a pod of a movie and we're going to go into thor and one thing i've been really enjoying with it is that we're talking about looking at all like the like yes i can't relate to being a god i can't relate to controlling thunder but i can relate to like worrying if my father loves me more than my sibling you know yeah and i'm loving that when you really look at it and look at the subtle side of it so much of that movie is about loki You know, growing up in the shadow of his brother and that the, you know, the resentments he feels are very understandable, even if you don't like the and especially, I mean, to me, one of my favorite ways to now read back into that movie is, you know, so much of that movie is about Loki thinking he will please his father by going off and conquering the the frost giants and things like that. In
0: his mind, this all makes sense. He's like, this is what you did back in the day. I'm just trying to make you finally love me.
1: Right, and that's the thing is like when you watch the first Thor movie, you're like Loki. Why would you think that? Then you watch Ragnarok, and are like, oh, no, I get Oden it. It was like that. Yeah, Hella did it for him.
0: I get it now. Um, right,
1: and, and- like I, I, as part of that, I've been having a lot of fun reading the original Norse mythology, where Loki is mm-hmm. such a different kind of character. Oh yeah, much more the the trickster kind of god, like a, a Hermes or a Coyote or someone like that.
0: He is, and that's why the Loki show is really cool because you got to. And there's a reason why episode two is like my absolute favorite episode um, mm-hmm. from the Loki show, because in the very beginning, you see the mischief and playfulness of him playing around with Miss Minutes and interacting, and you mm-hmm. actually get all of that, um, which is a part of much more Norse mythology and even much more comic book Loki. Yeah,
1: very much so. I I at some point need to go back and rewatch the sh- Loki show, because... For, from my perspective, I found it very disappointing. A, I have a, a, a well-known bias against time travel stories. I don't <laughs> think they make any sense. I don't like them. but also i I felt like i I was going to get uh, gender queer representation and bisexual representation, and they were so it's a whole other discussion. Yeah, no I, they I were, such a bad job of that. that I felt the, the same t- way. yeah
0: um it's but, It's something that um is supposed to be explored in season two, luckily, a lot more. Um, I'll look forward to that. I'll look i look b- forward to that. I believe the the director was it Kate Heron? I think it was Kate Heron who, di- who directed that one. Mm-hmm. Um, she was saying that they, they had to get to a very specific point. Um yeah. because they had to, you know, introduce certain things and stuff like that for the whole phase four and season two was supposed to be a much deeper dive into that.
1: Yeah. Well, and I, knowing that, I'll definitely go back and give Loki another watch because I think I was I was so turned off by those things. But yeah, the character is so rich and interesting. Oh, yeah. There's so much to go into. Um, And, and I guess the last thing about the, the Marvel DC thing I was going to ask is, I also know that more recently there's also been an explosion in independent comics. Yeah. And that there's a lot out there that are really pushing boundaries in terms of like different ideas of what it means to be a hero and representation and things oh, yeah. like that. Are you able to bring any of those in? Or are, I, I imagine that kids know the the big market stuff because that's what's on the screen and that's what their friends are talking about so it's probably much more accessible but do you ever bring in any independent stuff or it's is it all m- pretty much the mass market
0: it's a, it's much more accessible for them and it's easier to create a better connection with that um mm-hmm. so like right off the bat i wouldn't do an independent comic because um, i'm trying to get them used to using comics and stuff like that um right. and that build sense. that first initial connection um but then there are a lot of really great comics. Um, what is it? One that I picked up last weekend. It's called the Roaring Twenties, and it depicts like twenties culture and history really well. And this idea that dinosaurs somehow ended up in the nineteen twenties, and it's like a whole thriller, like one-off issue that somebody had. Okay. Um, mod mod flapper dinosaurs. <laughs> yeah, person. exactly. Fun. Um, if you you're a d and person, think Cholt. Yeah think Schultz um okay yeah that, that, that connects for me <laughs> um and then for what is it it was a Tuskegee Airmen um so basically it's essentially like many generations from now and the Tuskegee Airmen had you know these are all their grandchildren and they're like space travelers and <laughs> so there's a lot of really cool like takes on history and putting like these oh, love grandchildren or people in like different points um in time <laughs> essentially mm-hmm. and so there there's some really cool ones with that. Um not as I mean, a lot I would say a lot of independent stuff that I have found so far. There's gonna be some really great ones um coming out in the next I think it's next month actually, because a publishing company is just kicking off. Um mm-hmm. it's called like S C E X. Um sounds like sex, but C E X. Uh uh they're coming out with all kinds of cool comics, especially telling stories of immigrants um, that I'm looking right. forward to reading and hopefully bringing in uh, a lot of the previous independent comics, um, a lot of, like, weird, like, space odyssey cyborg stuff or fantasy mm. stuff. I say weird, but it's fantastic. Um, yeah, yeah. Much better for like English character studies uh right, and so we're just now i feel like just now starting to get independent comics that are hitting on other points for like other teachers that makes sense. yeah um there is a I can't remember the name of it, but a really really deep dived uh computer science comic uh oh, like, several that. of them like really advanced stuff uh I don't remember the name of it, I will find cool. it for you though. It's yeah, would I mean, be really cool. My uh, uh
1: my day job is is working with a a group that helps teachers use computer science more in the classroom. So yeah, that would be a wonderful crossover. I'll look into that. Yeah,
0: it was uh one of my friends. He came to the panel I was running, and he he had pointed out because he's a uh, he's getting like his master's in computer science, and he discovered this. And I was like,
1: that's fantastic. I was like,
0: I'm not a computer science person, but I'll push it along to anybody I know of.
1: <laughs> yeah, definitely. I'll I'll look into that. Now, uh, we've gone almost an hour, so I don't want to go too much longer, but I know Definitely. one last kind of area I wanted to ask about. You mentioned that um, there's a particular way you can use these with a uh, English language learner, English language learning students. Yeah. Um. So talk more about that. I mean, like, are you talking about, like, are there sort of, like, translations of some of these comics in other languages, or it's more because of, like, you can use this as help teaching language, or how does that, how does that work?
0: So the key with English language learners is that, Yes, you want to use some of their original language to help them learn the language, but mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of research showing that the best way to learn a language is through full immersion, which is what right. uh, we go by with our English language learners. Um, so I teach a lot of the collaborative L classes where I have um, students who already speak English and then ones who like right. don't even know the alphabet, honestly. Uh, and so the combination of the pictures and then seeing the words with the actions in the pictures as well as there are a lot of cool comics like the Ms. Marvel having Urdu in it, um, as well as like Reptile and America Chavez that have Spanish in it. Like it's a, mm. it's a lot of Spanglish, honestly, in those books. And yeah. if you don't know Spanish, some of it you struggle to read
1: um, uh, into the into the uh, the Spider-Verse. Yes. Uh, um, yes. That that Spider-Man movie, the Miles Morales movie. I know. The interaction I, I, with the
0: mom with the Puerto Rican. Yeah. I love yeah. that there's so much Spanish without translation, you know it makes me very happy as a Spanish speaker. It makes me so happy. Uh, so it's, it's a lot of that, um, because we do the full immersion. And so it's, they're able to get a little bit more content. Um, a a lot of these students, honestly, the, the fight is getting them to learn English, just Mm -hmm. flat out earn, earn English. And so if they, by the end of the year can be like, this is what distance means and this is right. what a punch it you know things like that right. i'm like i've succeeded <laughs> i've done my it, job
1: and, and um, i mentioned there like having it be a, a somewhat vision you know everyone can like look at a picture of you know spider-man swinging from a building and not need to know the word like you can see the picture and understand what that means and like, so I ah, this that, is what's happening that can be real helpful to like when you see the picture and the english words it can help court connect things
0: it is and um the cool thing about comics and superheroes and stuff like that, it it is something that is very very popular among cultures that we don't even necessarily realize or think about all the time, a lot of third world countries or a lot of people coming from, you know, middle of mountains nowhere and stuff like that. Even they have heard of Spider-Man. I don't know how, don't <laughs> but know. even they have somehow heard of Spider-Man and they will come to this country and they will they will see these things and they're like, "Ah, that's the American dream. Spider-Man right there. That's the American <laughs> dream. Um, and genuinely, that's what it's like. I have one yeah. student, he's from Mexico City, that like, I mean, like, he is Spider-Man everything. Like, that is mm. like when his mom went to get him like his first backpack and lunchbox and stuff like that. He wanted Spider-Man everything because he, yeah. it made him feel like he was fitting in with the American culture. It was a character mm-hmm. he liked a lot. It was a character he related to growing up very poor, um, and so, again, that's another thing that you're hitting, and, this, and you're creating that kind of connection with students that you have a really severe language barrier with, and you might be struggling to connect with, um, especially if you're just like a general teacher like I am, uh, where mm-hmm. we're just teaching our content and we don't specify on English language learners or SPED right. students.
1: Right. That makes a lot of sense. I can totally see how that would work. La- last question I'd have then is um, you know, I know that uh, from the little bit I know about education in my own work, that parental involvement can be super important. And, you know, if I'm doing my math right, it sounds most middle school students are probably the child children of Gen X or even millennials who are very much the target audience for all the MCU stuff. Do, do you get a lot of cases where the kids are, like, their parents know this stuff and the parents are getting super excited that now the kids are oh, asking man. about the, the stories that they love?
0: The number of parents that I get um, – feedback from of them asking if they could be in my classroom is insane. <laughs> I had a, I had one student that he would be on um, – and I'm going to call him John. That's not actually his name. Uh, uh-huh. He would be on – last year he was completely virtual. Um, I had like mm-hmm. a combination of in-person and virtual. He would be like in the kitchen doing his work and his mom was like a photojournalist and stuff like that and we would be talking about all of this stuff and relate it to like all of these superhero things and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I would ask a question – And instead of my students answering the question, she would answer the question and he would be unmuted. (laughs) And I would have to be like, I'm sorry, ma'am, come on, like, (laughs) give John a chance, let him answer the question, not you, you're not in school anymore.
1: (laughs) I I, I can understand it, though, you know, I mean, it's Um, it's, I can see where that hunger comes from. That's fantastic, though, because I imagine... When they're not taking over, the parents are probably very supportive and, like, help the kids learn about this stuff.
0: No, yeah. And when they come in, like, for parent-teacher conferences or the beginning of the school year for orientation and stuff and they – because my – it's not just, like, the that I use class – like, comics in the classroom. I also – I mean, like, I have the imagery of them everywhere. Mm-hmm. I have a massive Ms. Marvel cardboard cutout in my room along with my Ruth Bader Ginsburg cardboard cutout. I, I have, it. like, you know – the LED lights with, you know, different, you know, like superhero pictures and stuff like that. And my comic books are everywhere. And so like you walk in and it's like, I feel like I went back home. Um,
1: <laughs> I love that.
0: And so like parents will come in and they get like, they're like so excited. They're like, yes.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, I can tell this here. I mean, I have had, um, you know, my parents' generation, I, I, I'm I Gen X myself and my parents were boom or even like pre-boomers. And even just talking to my father who – Grew up with some of these comics and didn't, you know, you know, he grew up when comics were things that like seven and eight year olds read. So he stopped once he got even to middle school. But even hearing his stories about how important these were, um, you know, has been such an interesting experience. So I love that. It's something that kids can appreciate with their parents when that's the case. Either, yeah, you know, because their parents loved it or because they're the ones introducing it to their parents. It know? is. But, and
0: like with... Um... Especially, like, with Disney Plus and stuff like that. Like, they're going home and they're watching, you know, like, WandaVision together as a family. Right. Uh, and stuff like that. And so they're, they're creating, like, a lot of really great connections. Um, one of the big ones was I had one student, you know, we read Vote Loki. And they didn't do a lot with President Loki, which severely disappointed me because Vote Loki is my favorite mm-hmm. comic line of all time. Um, but even just seeing President Loki, a bunch of my students came back to me after the summer and they were like, I, like screamed with joy pointing it to my parents going, "Ah, I read that. And the parents being like, okay.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That makes sense. That makes sense. Well, this has been fantastic. Thank you, Emily, so much for being a part of this. Is there any other kind of last things that we didn't get to touch on or points or questions you wanted to bring up?
0: Uh, So the big thing, just like if you're an educator, I like to go over like great ways to use comics. So Mm. readers theater where they each get like a different character and they read it out loud. Um, acting out comic scenes. Uh, one of my favorites is they actually interview one of the characters. So with Vote Loki, uh, they, I have them pair up and one person is a uh, journalist from the Daily Bugle and then the other person's Loki and they have to interview Loki.
1: I would
0: love that. Um, Making a TV or movie commercial out of it, actually creating your own comic strips and your own comic books. There's a really great website called storyboardthat.com or even just doing it by hand, um, using them as analysis for primary and secondary sources, the in-class debates and discussions we talked about, throwing up imagery for class warm-ups and political cartoon analysis are some of the biggest ways. That's fantastic.
1: Well, and thank you so much for this. And in the show notes, I'm going to make sure we list all the different websites you've mentioned, the Facebook groups and stuff like that. Uh, Emily, though, for people who want to find out more about what you're up to in terms of like places you're writing about this or when you're presenting and stuff, uh, is there social media you want to share that people can follow?
0: Yeah. So, join the Stranded Panda Network, of course. I definitely am an
1: important thing. All
0: over it. I've been listening to them since like their first thing with Guardians. Um, I'm all over there and then for instagram and twitter it's at emily or lou so that's e-m-i-l-y-o-r-l-o-u um twitter is mostly me retweeting uh soccer stats and political things if (laughs) i mean completely and and marvel things so those are things i'm retweeting uh i'm much more active on instagram i feel like as well as facebook um but honestly, like if you guys have like questions, you can email me. It's e Sissel C-I-S-S-E-L-L at cityschools.com. Um, If you literally just look up my first and last name, you'll easily find me um, <laughs> awesome. because of my school and stuff like that. And you can even give the school call because I have my own landline in there and it's 540-372-1145 extension 2227. Um because I I I find it's much easier to just do like a phone conversation if you really yeah. have deep-ended questions. So lots of ways well, to contact me about this topic.
1: Well, and that's fantastic. I hope for educators that this is super important. I also know we're all we've done a couple of episodes now about being the you know a, a parent and a geek and how do you introduce yeah. your kids to this and how do you choose what content. I think a lot of what you had to say there has been so been so helpful. And so um, definitely reach out directly to Emily. But of course, also if you want to um, kind of bring up feedback or thoughts in terms of. If you're a teacher or a parent who's been uh, using this stuff in these ways, if you uh, are just someone who's interested and wants to know more or wants to share a different perspective or tell me how completely wrong I was in terms of the kind of questions we asked, of course, we're always open to feedback there too. You can find us at uh, The Ethical Panda on... Uh, you can search for The Ethical Panda on both Twitter or Facebook uh, or TikTok. I have somehow decided that I'm too old for Instagram, <laughs> but I can TikTok. TikTok. <laughs> you know, it's been fun. <laughs> It's about one third me talking about uh, uh, comic book and MCU and DC stuff. One third is me talking about political stuff and religious stuff, and one third is me doing fun things in my wheelchair. So you know, it's a fun little mix. <laughs> um, the wheelchair dances tend to get the most attention, but hey, cool. You know, come I'm to the wheelchair sure. dances. Stay for the f- uh, pictures of great food and the uh, and the fun political discussions. So, uh, there are all those ways. You can also just email us at theethicalpanda at gmail.com. And of course, please check out this podcast, my other podcast, Star Wars Universe podcast, and all the other great podcasts on the Stranded Panda Network. You can find those all at strandedpanda.com. There's great discussions there about the MCU, about Star Trek, uh, deep dives into everything from the Fast and the Furious movies to the Godzilla movies to, if geeks are talking about it, we're probably covering it there. Uh, Matt Carroll and I have just restarted our coverage of the Orville, which is going to go out on... um, uh, I believe, the Pandavision podcast. We're still trying to figure that out. But between Pandavision, Binge Assemble, MCU Cast, Animation Deliberation, which does great stuff on animated content, of which there's a great amount of stuff for all ages especially, but also you know for adults as well. Lots of great content. Check it all out. Check out TheEthicalPanda.com and strandapanda.com. Please give us a review if you really like this podcast. Let us know what you thought. And most importantly, have a great day.